Well, this, the scoreboard said I lost today, but what the scoreboard doesn't say is what it is I have found. Back to the Tennis Connected Studios for September 25th, 2020. I'm Nima Naderi alongside Parsa Sami, and we're here this week to preview the French Open in an unusual time slot of the year. Before we start our uh, podcast, let's introduce our co host Parsa. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Um, you know, it was an interesting US Open, Nima, and uh, looking forward to see how uh, the French Federation handles Paris. And see how the tournament does uh, with with the limited interaction, um, but I'm excited. I'm excited that we get to watch tennis on TV. Yeah, what are we? I mean, will we ever see this again? Eh, having the French Open going into early October, <laughs> but the weather looks okay. I mean, Rome was super warm last week, so they got lucky with that. And then this week, there's a couple smaller tournaments in Hamburg and Strasbourg for the women's, um, and it's going to be interesting. I think you know, I looked at both draws, Parsa, in depth. Wasn't overly excited with the prospects. I mean, we have that Rarinka Murray first rounder, which looks really good. On the women's side, thought that the the draw is lacking a little bit of depth, to be honest with you. Um, and then on the men, it's really is Djokovic and Nadal. You know, will they square off on the third Sunday as they play? You know, two. Um, Two, uh, sorry, three Sundays in Paris starting this Sunday with round one. And uh, is team going to be able to rebound from his U.S. Open victory and still have the juice to win this tournament because you know it's his favorite one? And then does Zarev get over that meltdown serving for the title and, and he couldn't do it? Um, so let's start quickly with, uh, with Djokovic uh, before we get into the women's draw and then the men's. So Djokovic obviously got defaulted from the last major of the year. It's not new news, but we haven't talked to everybody out there since that transpired. Um, so, you know, he got defaulted in the fourth round. We had team winning. I think it's very safe to say, Parsa, you know, we don't want to go with if, ands, or buts, but the guy would have won the tournament, I think. I'm very. I'd be very shocked if he didn't win the tournament. If he didn't get defaulted, so stays at 17 majors. You know he's going to be upset about that. Goes to Rome, wins that tournament convincingly. Obviously, Nadal dropped out in the quarters. He had a very easy draw, but nevertheless, I thought it was very good that he was able to get through that and and win that tournament. Um, but in terms of the mental approach to this Grand Slam. This is what I'm thinking, Parson. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Because it's a little bit later in the year, I think the conditions are going to be heavier. Heavier conditions are not very suitable for Nadal. I think they're more suitable for Djokovic because he has a flatter ball. He can get through the court a little bit more. Um, and then, so I think that bodes well for him. So I think overall, in the hunger perspective, you know that he, he doesn't want Nadal to get to 20 with Federer. Doesn't really make a difference overall because the number is still 20. And he said a couple weeks ago that he wants to beat Federer's record record of the most weeks at number one. 
as well as beat his Grand Slam total. So that's definitely in the horizon for Novak. Um, but what, what do you think overall about his mental approach as he enters the last Grand Slam of the season? The thing that could have happened was that it wasn't um, a, a filled stadium when he did that, you know, because I think that would have affected him much more. Um, he sort of escaped out of Arthur Ashe and, you know, did an Instagram post later saying sorry and he kind of went to Europe th- that night or the next morning and uh, that was it. He didn't, he didn't get the, 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 the flack and the, the huge pushback that normally, I mean, that's the type of thing that people would have been jeering and throwing stuff on the court. It would have been horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, massive amounts of booze. He avoided all of that. So I think the you know, the, the, the effect was minimal. Um, it wasn't really that significant. And then obviously he went to Rome and he continues to march on and kind of continues to do his thing and there's no sort of stopping it, um, you know. And, and I think he's going to be 100% A-OK and fit to play Roland Garros. Yeah, and obviously, you know, France has a major spike in COVID-19 at the moment. So that's going to be, you know, something to really watch. They've already had five players, including coaches, pardon me, five participants with coaching staff that have been, you know, uh, eliminated from the tournament or not allowed to play. I believe it was Istamin, Zoomer had something to do with that, a couple of the coaches, uh, and then one of the one of the ladies qualifiers. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean... All of those subplots are going to be very important. Hopefully, everybody stays safe and sound. Parse, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Nadal. Obviously, Nadal not playing since Acapulco earlier this year. He didn't play at all in the States, as everybody knows. Uh, he shows up to Rome, wins his first two matches convincingly over uh, Karino Busta, semi-finalist in, in New York, as well as uh, Lajovic, who's also really good on the surface. And then he got... Uh, eliminated in the quarters by Diego Schwartzman who played the match of his life two and five there can we really read that much into that after the loss Nadal said that the humidity really bothered him he didn't play well and Schwartzman played extremely well which I think even Diego would um, would say that that's 100% correct so what are your thoughts on Rafa as he enters this tournament completely different time of year that he's used to uh, and aiming to win his 13th title in Paris I don't read too much into it other than he probably had a goal of getting three matches in and he got his three matches he needed to play you know on in different conditions and um, you know when things are going well he's, he's a tough out and um, he's I just don't think he's gonna lose at Roland Garros and I think you're gonna have to Schwartzman would have had to keep that up for one more set I just don't I just don't think that's gonna happen you know um, so I, I think ultimately, you know, because of the best of five scenario, you are getting the best player going through. As we saw in New York as well, it's it's a different mindset and a different match playing two out of three versus best of five. So the fact that he got a tournament in, he got some matches, got to got to feel some adversity, feel the pain, those kinds of things. You know, now when they arrive in, in the Roland Garros draw, which they most like maybe will i don't know um when they do arrive it won't be something that's uh, not familiar as he hasn't played for a while as you were alluding to before mm-hmm. um so those you know i i think he's looking very good um he's going to the terabat too is his favorite tournament obviously his favorite everything um where he's made a career and where he's uh, made a name for himself and and won a majority of his grand slams and um i think he's going to be raring to go 
And then, as we're staying with the men here, what do you think about Dominic team now entering onto the clay? Obviously, him and Zarev had a very tough and debilitating final. Not necessarily, well, physically, I would say so, but I mean, mentally, very poor quality tennis if you're if you're going to rate a grand slam final uh both of them were super nervous you know it was just basically who wasn't going to you know lose the match instead of win it you know Zarev serving for the title he couldn't do it it's, i mean he's throwing in 85 mile an hour first serves when he can hit 137 and it was just an absolute you know disaster uh for for Zarev in his first grand slam final and it really showed to me why he hasn't really won one up until this point. Now, people are going to say, oh, what are you talking about? This guy's only 22. He's done well. He's done this. Yeah, he's done okay. But did we really see Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic that nervous in their first Grand Slam final? Probably say no, right? And we can see how their careers have developed throughout the years. Even Rarinka, look how good he played in his first Grand Slam final, right? And even, I mean, Murray even played, I mean, Murray didn't win. He lost a bunch, but still played pretty well. So I think that that's something that Zarev's definitely going to have to get through. It's going to be interesting to see how he rebounds here. Probably not his favorite surface. Uh, but then team, obviously this guy's a guy who's made now the finals here two years in a row, losing to Rafa both years. Comes in now as a Grand Slam winner, so he's into that club. He's got that monkey off of his back, even though there's going to be some asterisks with, you know, no Djokovic, no Federer, no Nadal around, basically. Um, but does that affect him? How do you think he rebounds and performs on, argue, not even arguably, but his absolute favorite service? And I, I think I think there naturally has to be a little bit of a a lull. Yes. Um, a mental letdown. Uh, you know, he's never won such a thing of such a stature and such a size before. And I think naturally, and especially because it was so emotional, I just can't see him being in tip-top form. Nor can I see him mentally being fresh as he normally would be entering Roland Garros. Um, I think what you're going to see is a similarity in when historically we had Roland Garros and then Wimbledon and it was hard to go back to back like that yeah I think we're gonna have a similar type of frame of mind here except you're you're going changing continents and surfaces you know there's quite a bit I guess the surface change is the same but the the continental shift the time change the the mental part of it um is he going to be recharged enough to get going and find his footing um you know it is it is the surface he grew up playing on so on and so forth He's been to two finals. Um, should he find a way? You know, we like to think that all our, our, you know, idols and our superstar athletes here are, are, you know, perfect. But um, he is certainly a human being, and we saw that in the final at, at New York. Um, and nerves, you know, exist, and emotions do exist. And so my expectation is not as, not as positive as in years past, believe it or not, with team. Other than if he can navigate his way through week one. And he can get to week two. Watch out. He's going to be very dangerous. And how about Zverev? Zverev, uh, no, I never really believed in him. I actually texted you, if or I think I texted you, or I was maybe texting someone else. He was down. He was up two sets in a break, and team made a little bit of a tactical adjustment. I was like, watch out. You know, it shouldn't be so easy. Um, so I wasn't really happy with Zverev's play. I, I think he's got this underlying problem where – you know, he's got a little bit of an attitude, um, and I'm being nice. You know, he's got a little bit of an attitude, and, you know, he thinks he's a lot more than he is. And what that causes is um, 
that insecurity in those big moments. And, you know, I feel like a, a little bit of humble pie will serve him a long way if, if he truly is, um, you know, uh, digesting the U.S. Open final correctly. I think he's going to be dangerous and another step towards becoming a great champion. If he goes and says, well, look at me, I went to the U.S. Open final, ho, 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 you know, and does that kind of uh, reaction to it, I think we're going to get much of the same. So I, I think it's a very big, big deal to see how he reacts in Roland Garros. Um, so it's a little bit of a question mark for me. So um, I'm not sure it could go one of two ways. So we'll see. I, I hope it's the it's the champion route, and I, and I hope it's not the, uh, you know, the, the other route. But, um, you know, I, just because he made a final in, in, in I don't want to say a decimated draw, but it, it, things did work out for him in certain ways. Um, you know, uh, I, yeah. I, 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 did you think, Dima, I have a question for you. That, that U.S. Open final, did you think that Zverev earned the two-set lead, or do you think it was more a function of team not playing his greatest level? Absolutely, it wasn't team playing his greatest level. Um, I was honestly, a lot of people might disagree with me, but I was surprised that team defeated Medvedev as easily as he did. He was, you know, I, after Djokovic exited, I definitely thought Medvedev would win the tournament. And he just went out there and he had a little bit of bad luck in getting through a couple of those tie break sets that he should have won. Uh, but nevertheless, all credit for to team to defeat Medvedev in straights. And then into the finals, I had team as a clear favorite. I thought he was going to destroy him. And then he came out super tight. And that was just a little bit of experience in the end really got team, uh, you know, his conditioning, even though he was cramping at the end, which you never see from team guys, one of the fittest guys out there. Uh, he, he got through and he, I mean, Zarev really got lucky that he was up two sets to love, but then he had another opportunity in the fifth set to close it out at 5-3, if I'm not mistaken, and he couldn't do it there. <laughs> so it's, um, it's just, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, you, it's not his fault that these guys lost and the draw was like that and he made the finals. You only can play who's in front of you. And I've always been a believer of that. So credit to him for making the finals. He got lucky in my opinion, but you know, you take that, you take the experience, you take the paycheck and you move on to the next tournament. Um, so Parson, moving on to a little bit of a briefing on the women's here. So we have Serena still going for her 24th major. She was upended in the semifinals of the U.S. Open to Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka has been playing really well lately, uh, so we'll touch on that in a bit. But you you think that this surface will bode well for Serena based on her having a little bit more time because she has slowed down a little bit. Inevitably, with age, we all do. Uh, I think that just the movements and the sliding and all of that stuff like the you know the clay court prowess that you need uh to, to play well on the surface is not really in her repertoire i know she's won this tournament three or four times but in relation to the other majors this has been her worst grand slam now in saying that she can definitely win because who you know who can prove her with that you know i mean she's won so many grand slams but I, I honestly just don't see it happening this year. And then the second part is I'd like to uh, see what you think about Halep. Uh, to me, she's really the player to beat this year. Even regardless of the, she's been the number one seed, I just think that uh, you know she's got the best game on clay right now. And if she can keep her head you know on her shoulders properly, she's uh, I think she's going to walk away with this title. What are your thoughts? 
you know, like, like you were mentioning, uh, we were talking off air, I think the slowdown of the surface is actually going to help Serena. Um, I think she is a step slower than she ever has been. And um, I, I thought she was in pretty good form in, in terms of shape and hitting of the ball when it was near her. I think she had trouble getting out to balls. And, and it, it was clear that, the, you know, Azarenka was playing corner to corner against her. And that's when the errors start to come. And, you know, if, if this surface is a little bit slower, I think Serena still is hitting the cover off the ball. Um, and, I, and I think she's a better mover than you're giving her credit for. I mean, I know she's not a natural clay court, but she's later in her career. And I think you'll see what I mean 10 years from now with, let's say, Osaka. Osaka's not a good mover on clay at all. But over the next decade, she's going to improve through those movements. And she's going to learn how to play on the surface. And I think that that's... Um, you know what you're going to see also, uh, and so I think Serena's going to be okay. Will she win it? I don't think so. You know, I, I still think that there's there's too much of a, um, ambiguity and, and not enough sharpness yet. Um, you know, and I'm not sure that she's she may ever get there. Um, but is there a shot still? Is she still a threat? Is she still a semifinalist or a top four player in the draw? I do think so, um, and that lends itself to opportunity because. You know, as you saw with the men's, men's, you know, all of a sudden maybe Halep is going to hit a ball at an official and get kicked out. And, um, you know, and, and Azarenka is going to lose, you know, in third round. And then all of a sudden, who's left? You know, is is Serena going to lose to, I don't know, you know, Yastremska on clay? You know, I, I don't think so. You know, so I think we can't write her off. I think things do have to work to her favor. And, and, and if you remember, these are like similar conversations we were having with Federer in the last few years, you know, the, the draw has to work out in Federer's favor for him to be, have a chance to hold a trophy. And I think that's where Serena is at her career. Um, you know, she's still a top four player. She's just not a dominant number one player. So, um, I think that's where we're at with that. Um, with Halep, uh, you know, I think she's the hands down favorite. Um, she's a great mover. She's certainly in the peak of her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's going to start telling these, these, grand slams you know her emotions are more in check than ever and that just means just good tennis all the time for you know 100 percent of the time and you know that's what her game is always predicated on is playing the percentages and playing you know the game the way it best suits her and now because the emotions are in check she's literally playing 100 out of 100 points to the best of her ability and that's just that's just a problem you know if, if to, to give you context in the past, when she would lose her emotions, she was playing 80 to 85% of the points to the best of her ability. And that little bit of wiggle room was making her lose to certain big players and big spots. Now that she's playing 100% of the time, she is extremely difficult to get off the court, you know, and, and to, to beat her. So um, on, on a surface like clay, with that percentages matter, it, it bodes very well for her. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, Halep is definitely the favorite. Okay, that's... I think um, that's very well said, and I really like what you said about Halep in terms of her, um, uh, like she's in a position to play her best tennis most of the time now, and I and I think that that's really important for anybody who's trying to really, you know, rack up a lot of majors and 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 uh, get to the highest echelons of the sport. So with that segue now, Parsa, let's look at the women's draw. We have, as we mentioned, Halep as the top seed. I have her going into the uh, into the finals, into the semifinals for now, let's say. And then we have Svitolina as the third seed. Again, I think on clay, 
given the draw that she has i know we have serena there we even have venus there who i really think is going to lose first round with all due respect to her azarenka is a bit of that you know she's got that hot hand right now right so what does she do does she carry it on clay has historically not been her best surface but this is one of those years where you just got to hit a tennis ball you know what i mean because everybody's not really dialed in as they normally would be just because of so much time off and a lot of different variables in play um so i think with that said i still think that you're going to see uh, svetolina get through could definitely be azarenka as well but i don't see serena doing it you might have a different opinion of course uh but i think it's going to be uh, halep and svetolina semifinals and then as i move to the bottom half I don't really like what I'm seeing at all in terms of favorites. Uh, I think Muguruza has had some nice time off. She didn't play in the States. She's been hitting a decent ball. So I will, I'll take her into the semifinals. And then in the last quarter, I mean, Parsett's really a crapshoot. I mean, Kerber's not good on clay. You know, Pliskova is not good on clay. Kvitova is not good on clay. Sofia Kennan is not good on clay. So who do we who do we take here? And, and I'm looking at this young Canadian and uh, Lely Fernandez, who you know won the juniors here, who's been playing good ball. I never thought she'd be a good bonafide professional. Very slight in stature, but and and just overall not that big. But I mean, she's lefty. She's been playing well, and I think uh, she's definitely got a chance to do some damage here. So as my wild card pick, and then it has nothing to do with her being Canadian, because you know I don't roll that way. I don't just support you know country that I'm from, but. Um, I'm going to go with Halep, Svitolina, Muguruza, and Fernandez. And then I'm going to have Muguruza, Halep final with Halep holding the trophy at the end of all of this. How about yourself? I definitely follow your sentiments. I mean, you, you touched on the, the, the informed players. Uh, I have Halep in my top. I am going to go with Serena Williams um, because I am going to play favorites to my country. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with her. Um you know, even though she's got a ridiculously tough draw between, you know, Azarenka and um, even Kontovit and, you know, Svitolina, I think those are going to be all very difficult. Um, you know, on the bottom half, I, I, you know, have a tough time. I mean, the only name that I've seen play uh, is Muguruza. But, you know, my favorite from the U.S. Open and my favorite match, by the way, which we didn't talk about, was Osaka and Brady, and uh, I think Brady is phenomenal. She's got a huge forehand, and she just yes. looked great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Jenny Brady there in the semi, um, and uh, you know, on the bottom half there, um, you know, there's just a huge lack of everything. So I'm going to take Sloane Stevens. Um, I think it's, this is the kind of weird draw that she sometimes figures her way out, and sometimes she just wins the tournament for no reason when she hasn't won anything and this could potentially have that sort of formula to it yeah um so that's who i've got and then i've got a you know i'm gonna have williams defeating uh simona halep and then i'm gonna have a williams and uh brady final and i'm gonna go with uh serena williams number 24 wow even though it's serena i gotta say wow there parse i don't i don't know man but anyways we'll see <laughs> We'll see how you do. Now, jumping into the men's draw, we have, you know, very hungry Novak Djokovic, who will try to win his 18th Grand Slam. I don't see, you know, a lot of, you know, landmines in his way here. You look at him against Yermer in round one, Brankis probably round two. He's going to, I think, roll him. 
Hercatch is a name for the future, but I don't think he's got what it takes to beat Djokovic. Hachinov has not been playing well lately, although he's one of those guys, if he can get some confidence, he's very dangerous because he's such a strong guy. Batista Agut, if he makes the quarters, will he give Djokovic a good match? 100% because the guy does not go away and he's just solid as an absolute rock. Uh, he's got obviously a tough one with Gasquet in the first round, so that's going to be probably for sure on, you know, Philippe Chatrier, French, uh, you know, will support that one. And then we have uh, TFO versus Struff, both really not that great on clay. Uh, Medvedev's another guy here, Parsa, in the top half. Again, not that great on clay, right? So how do we really judge that um you know, the Russians' ability. And then we have Sissipas, who is pretty good on clay. He's had some results. He's made some, you know, Masters finals. And he's pushed a lot of the top guys. Uh, so it could be, for me, Djokovic against an unknown in the semis. Or I'm going to be going with Djokovic in Sissipas. As we move on to the bottom, as you mentioned, I'm kind of with you on the whole team thing. I think he's going to kind of flake out mentally more than anything. I mean, Parsa, let's talk about it. He's got Silic first round. And yes, Silic is not who he was. There's no question about it. He's far removed from the form that he had when he won the 2014 U.S. Open. But he's still Silic. The guy's a Grand Slam player. I mean, the guy's a Grand Slam champion. And then that's to play potentially Opelka in the second round. Obviously, Opelka is not good on clay, but the guy has a massive serve. And he can just create havoc for anybody. And then you got Casper Ruud in the third round, who's been playing very well on clay. You know, I, I just to, for everybody to know, Christian Ruud is uh, Casper Ruud's dad. And I had mentioned that, what do you think Christian Ruud's going to do in this tournament? Parts is like, you know, you're showing how old you are, man. You remember who Christian Ruud is. And, uh, but anyways, it is, his name is Casper Ruud. That's the guy who's in this tournament. So I think... I still got to go with team though. I mean, how? Because I have nobody else to pick. I mean, Moff, I don't think Monfils is making the semis. Maybe a guy like Chorich can surprise us, but I got to go with the safe bet on this one just because of the weird year that we're having. And then we got Rafa right at the bottom. And apart from maybe, I think I saw Isner somewhere lurking here, right? Potentially in the fourth round. We've always said throughout the years that if Isner plays Nadal on clay, that one year he was up two sets to love and he ended up dropping it. But with his game, and Nadal doesn't necessarily like those big servers on this court, I think he's got a chance. But if Isner has to get to the fourth round, and that's not going to be that easy for him. So I just think it's going to be easy peasy for Rafa making the semis. Maybe against team, maybe not. If it's not team, then you know, don't even think about it. He's going to the finals. If it is team, I still take Rafa to the finals to face Djokovic. However, now here's the here's the important part, Parsa. I'm going with actually Djokovic to win this tournament. I would never normally do that. Um, but the reason why I'm taking that this year is I think Djokovic is going to be super hungry. He's played a lot more matches than Nadal has. He's won a lot more recently. He's got a lot to prove from that default that he had at the U.S. Open. Even though this is probably his least favorite surface overall, I'm taking Djokovic to win. And Casper Ruud as my dark horse. What do you have? Wow. Um, a lot of stuff there, buddy. I, I think Djokovic winning this title is a wow. Um, <laughs> you know... I do. I, you know, I know he hasn't lost this year, so, uh, you know, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. But, uh, yes. 
you know, I, I still think you've got a, a stud in there um, that uh, has won this thing 12 times. So I think it's it's very hard to pick. I mean, obviously, if you're going to pick someone other than Nadal, it's going to be Djokovic. Um, you know, I agree with almost every single thing that you said, which is great. I mean, Medvedev is useless on clay, uh, no doubt about it. So I, I definitely have a Djokovic CC pass uh, semifinal. Um, I think, uh, you know, having Schwartzman in the area um, in the in the next bracket, um, I, you know, with Felix and Dom team, um, I, I think you've got some some ability here for for Dom to figure this thing out a little bit as he goes through it. Um, I do see some serious roadblocks for him, um, so I'm I'm gonna have a, you know, in this top section I'm gonna have a, a surprise. I'm gonna have Schwartzman uh, in the semi there, um, thinking that you know he's gonna continue his form, you know, and then obviously I'm gonna have a you know Nadal going through in the bottom, uh, not even a question, no need to talk about it. Um, I think Nadal's gonna pretty much breeze into that semifinal and then I think he's going to put the hurt down on, on Schwartzman um, and challenge Schwartzman and I think it's going to be a great match but I think uh, Nadal's going to come through and we're going to have a Djokovic-Nadal final um, and then uh, you know you and I think that we can sort of uh, figure out who's going to win the final but the truth is Nima as you, I'm sure you'll admit it really depends on the court speed mm-hmm. um that's big, what ultimately is going to decide. You know, big variable, big variable. It's a huge variable in that matchup. So if, if Nadal, if it's hot, forget it. You know, Nadal's ball is going to bounce over Djokovic's head. It's, nothing's going to happen. There's no chance. Um, if it's completely damp and almost drizzling the whole match, you know, completely favors Djokovic to the other end. So um, I'm going to go with the with the weatherman's pick, and I'm going to say, uh, you know, that, that it's going to be temperate, and I'm going to go with Nadal. Okay, just remember, Parsa, that final is October 11th, France, Paris. <laughs> it's Paris. true, but it's also uh, global warming that, that supposedly yeah. exists in the United States, but it's, whatever. Um, now, here's the thing, know, what, happens if it's, the rest of the world, so. what, what happens if it's an indoor final? Because they have a roof now, eh? That's not, don't forget about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be really interesting because indoor final depends on their HVAC system. Look at these these factors going between these two athletes. I mean... Is it going to be? Is it going to have dry air that's blowing in there? Or is it going to be humid air that's blowing in there? Is it going to be, you know, a slower condition, or is it going to be faster? Is it going to be heavier or lighter? Um, those all remain to be seen. We don't know how how all these factors are. So there, there's and in that particular matchup, um, it matters quite a bit. Okay, so there you have it. So Pars is going Nadal, and I'm going with Djokovic. Let's see who uh, comes out with the right pick at the end of all of this. Um, with that said, Parsa, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you, every, thank you, thank uh, you, everybody out there for listening. Make sure to check us out throughout the entire fortnight on tennisconnected.com. We'll have previews, scheduling, live streaming, live scoring. You know our. Our uh, social media will be will be flying with a lot of content, so make sure to check that out. Gear reviews of all the latest products that the pros are, are wearing and using. Um, make sure to check out Parsa at Parsa Sammy both on Twitter and on Instagram. He's got some great stuff for you guys there. You can check out myself at On Mars as well as Tennis Connected on Instagram. You can download this podcast on iTunes as well as Android. And uh, again, thank you everybody out there for listening. Enjoy the enjoy all the action in Paris, and we will be back chatting with you guys soon.